trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. You know, we're blessed. If you hang around people that say, oh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, and then they call you the next day and say, you know, I got you know, to get rid of my cell phone. I can't afford it. Don't hang, don't hang around people like that. We're blessed. You got to kick a hole in, you got to kick a hole in something like, you know, $25 faith or $100 faith or, you know, $50 faith or $1,000 faith, you know. You just got to kick a hole through that door and let it go. We're blessed. You're the, listen, you're the favored people. Do you know that? Everybody else may not get that job, but you'll get that job because you're walking around saying, I'm favored. I'm blessed. I'm a giver. Man, I am highly favored. Not just favored, but highly favored. You understand what I'm saying? There are no limits to what you can do and what God can do through you. But you got to talk different. And you, yet you start thinking differently. They're not try, we're not trying to take something from you. My goodness, that's not, that's not, I love offering times. I love to give. I, it is so fun because I think I'm so blessed. And besides that, I can give more now than I used to could give. Why? Because I start giving. <laughs> And it's a blessing. And, and you, you think differently. You're like, woo! Yeah, devil, I'll show you. Tell, what did you say? Don't do what? Oh, well, I'll, I'll, believe, I'll believe I'll just write it. <laughs> I mean, 2007. How many want 2007 to be different? How many want it to be different in your finances? And the way, listen, just give the devil. I mean, just, I mean, start it off. Boom! I don't care what he does with the offering. I'm just telling it for you. You understand what I'm saying? For you. So you'll walk around thinking differently, acting differently, and believing differently. Because you will have what you say. And you walk around and say, bless God. I mean, we had one person sends us $5. Another one started off with 5 Now they're up to 55 And they told us she'd never do any better. We had one guy send 20000 And they, I mean, you know, they just sent whatever. They just start giving and giving and giving. And they said, we just keep increasing because... We're favored. We get the best jobs. You guys get the best jobs. People just like you. They just walk out and give you gifts. Isn't that right? Somebody agree with me. Say, yes, that's, that's me. Say, say, I'm favored. I'm kicking, a, I'm kicking a hole through my giving. Through my receiving. I found out if you obey God. I mean, just say it. Say, I'm favored. Amen. I get the best jobs. If the whole world is in poverty, I'll get the best job. Does that, does that make any sense? You're going to start talking like that? I know Brother Hagin said, he said, boy, he said, I've heard people and they say the right thing. Then they go home and they, they, go, they shut the door and they go, how are we going to do this? And then they get home and they negate what they... <laughs> how? No, don't talk like that. Your husbands and spouse and kids and parents and when you're talking around the house say we're so blessed even if it looked like you got nothing for years we drove an old rusty van we had we had two dresses and ray had an old rusty suit and we were walking around singing we'd sing i got prosperity power and victory abiding abiding in the vine we had nothing two guitars and a little amp and three mics period the end a rusty van with no heat, no air, and one bench seat in the back that sat sideways. And we, Lois and I could look out the side door, which was broken. <laughs> Put a dress in layaway, pay $25. I mean, paid $5 a week. Till we pay $45 to get it out. We're just going around. We're prosperous. The offering time would come around. We'd go, bless God. We didn't have nothing. I mean, we were singing for pig roast and fairs and... 
<laughs> Woo! Listen, he's not trying to get it from you. God's trying to get it to you. I mean, just kick a hole through something tonight. If you only had one dollar, I mean, just, you know, that, that's it. That's what I have. And that's what I'm giving. Boy, you'll go dollar faith. You'll go two dollar faith, three dollar faith. Is that okay? Praise God. You know, Pastor, the Lord told, told me, he said, he said, you're going to triple everything you do in 2007. I said, triple? I said, didn't you mean double? I mean, double was enough. We were barely singling. But nobody said a word in our ministry. You know what I'm saying? We always say we have more than enough. More than enough. So I said, Lord, if you confirm this word, because I want to make sure I'm telling the people the right thing. The next day I had a meeting with Rick Renner in our office. We office together with him. And I walked in to sit down. He said, you know, Cindy, he said, the Lord's been giving me a, a word for 2007. He said, the word is triple. Well, I danced around the office. He said, triple your, your countries, triple your, your tapes, triple your staff, triple, triple everything you do, triple it all. And I said, why, Lord? He said, the time is short. And I said, well, Lord, I was getting ready to kind of pull back and have some other people. Not pull back totally, but, you know, push out some other people to get them out of the field. And he said, why would you want to do that? You're just now of some use to me. He said, you've lived through some things. You know the word works. And he said, triple everything. And I'm telling you, people have been tripling things everywhere we've gone. They have been seeing miracles. But you got to say it. It's not just up to the pastor to say it. You, ha you have to say it. You have to believe it. Back there, the lady back there in the dark hair, yes. I was praying for you today. Blessed, blessed, blessed. You look out. You just keep saying the right thing. You hear me? It may not look like it, but you are. You're favored. Hallelujah. And that's one thing about a local church. You come together and everybody gives and helps each other too and stuff. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. Oh, Pastor, I didn't mean to run you off. You know, there is some... Are you going to give some money? Go ahead. Okay, yeah, you can go on. How that. many of you have heard of Barnabas? How many of you know who he was in the Bible? Oh, glory to God. How many of you know the first time his name showed up was during an offering? Did you know that? You know, Barnabas and Saul got the first missionary journey, the church, up through the, through the uh, word of God from the church, the first missionary journey went through Barnabas and Saul. And uh, Barnabas was actually, his name was Josie. The reason he got the name Barnabas was because of an offering. His name was Josie. I think it was in Acts chapter 4, and he was talking about when there was great persecution and there was great responsibility. And he brought an offering through the apostles' feet, the leaders of the church, and he laid it before their feet. And when he did, they changed his name to Barnabas. The word that means encouragement. So I just think, I just yeah. want you to see that those of you who are giving, that you're bringing encouragement to the work of God to the church. And when you do that, God remembers the people. I found out something that when you obey God in your giving, it opens your heart up to new avenues of the work of the Spirit in your life. My husband, Ray, he said, he told me a few months back, we were talking about giving a certain amount for some things over and above. And he said, you know, would you tell me? Wait, tell them so they can hear your voice, so they won't the know. First, the first place I ever learned how to hear from the voice of the Lord was in giving. He said, 
it's always been the place that first I could always hear. And I remember there was a few, oh, it was a few years back, and there was a man, he went, was going through some trash, you know, and my husband, he saw him, Ray saw him, and he, so he went up to him, and you, you had, what'd you give, what'd you say? You said, do you believe in I God? I said, hey, do you believe in God? And the guy said, no. I said, well, he just told me to give you $50. <laughs> he took the $50. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You don't believe in God, but he just told me to give you some money. Guess what? You might want to check out what you're believing. You know, in Numbers, it talks about where the leaders spoke a blessing over the people. Pastor, come speak a blessing over these, over your people and and, and just speak that blessing over them. And you guys, when he's speaking it, you take it. You lift your hands. You use your faith. You take it right now with your faith. And he's going to speak that over you and pronounce it. Hallelujah. Well, before we get... Glory to God. Before we get going too far here, I want to tell you just about a few of the things that are on the... The product table because we always get going and then we just don't do it and so I, I think it's important you know my life was changed literally I'd been born again for several years but my life was changed when I heard a message that someone sent me on a cassette at that time but now they're on you know disc but um, and I know the importance of hearing the word of God you cannot do the will of God if you do not know the word of God you may want to do the will of God. You may have a heart that sincerely wants to follow what God wants to do. But his word, the Bible says, is a light to your path. And if you go out here tonight and get in your car and you sit out there and you don't turn your lights on and there's no light from coming from the moon or the stars, you're not going to go anywhere except probably in a ditch. <laughs> And that's what happens. Although you may sincerely, you may sincerely want to get home. You're not going to do it without a little light. And you may sincerely want to know God. But without the word of God, you'll never accomplish that. But with the word of God, it is a sure thing. His word is more sure. Oh, it is. You know, experiences with the it spirit is. of God are, are a part of, of your uh of the life-changing power of God. But let me tell you something. No matter what, revelation is always real. Whether you feel it or whether you don't, it's real, as real tonight as it will be tomorrow at 3 o'clock or, you know, 2 in the morning when you wake up and you, and you may have a sense of, of fear or something try to come against you, but the revelation of God's Word will keep, your, keep the light on, so to speak. Sure will. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we do. So, uh... I, there's a, actually a series back there called Don't Look Back. You know, the only thing worse than having a horrible past is having a future that's held by it. Ugh. You know, I heard Oral Roberts, uh, it's been a, a little over a year ago, I think, sometime last year. He, he would, they were asking him, if you had one sermon, only one that you could leave before you leave this earth. He said, what, he asked him, what would that sermon be? And he said, he called it Don't Park Here. But from Philippians chapter three, he said, I would, I would, that would be the one message I would want to leave if I could leave nothing else. Don't look back. You know, I found out you go where you look. <laughs> That's why they tell race car drivers, never look at the wall because you go where you look. It's a, it'll be a great encouragement. You know, they say the number one reason people do not move on in their life is because of their past. And if you can understand how to handle your past according to the plan of God, if you can understand that, 
you can do anything God wants you to do. Your past is not a problem for God. Don't let it be a problem for you. But you have to handle it according to the word of God. It's not enough just to be sorry. It's not enough just to, you know, wish it hadn't happened. It's right. not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough to just try to not think about it. You have to know what to go for. And so it'll be a wonderful uh, encouragement to you. Um, it'll be a blessing to you, the, the series. It's one of the In fact, ones. there's an assistant to a very, very well-known ministry that writes us and calls us and calls us all from time to time and says, I still listen to this series. It's just a classic message. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite ones to teach, but, you know, we just uh, have to go with what God's saying today. And then there's, uh, you know, right now at this service, and then there's another one called Don't Take the Fight Out of Faith. You know, you have to learn, instead of living your life on the defense, you want to learn how to live on the offense. In other words, you're not reacting to what the devil's doing. You are acting according to what God has done. And instead of him putting you on the run, you got him on the run. And then you enter into a rest. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't want to live your life on defense. You know what I'm saying? Someone said, you know, the, you, you can only, uh, only score points, you know, when you're playing offense. And I thought, yeah, unless there's an interception. You know what I'm saying? God can turn it around just like that. I don't care who's got the ball in your life. God can turn it around if you learn how to fight the good fight of faith. Praise the Lord. So, uh, you know, just learn to live on offense. You know, in other words, you get ahead of the curve. In other words, you're not just letting trouble, you know, I'm just trying to always come feel like I'm trying to, you know, it's like our pastor said that man, you know, the one person who worked with our, our pastor, Bobby, and he said, it just seems like there's, uh, you know, we got victory and then another problem. We got victory, then another problem. Victory, then my pastor said, no, I don't see it that way at all. He said, I see we got, you know, a problem, but we get another victory. Got a problem? Got another victory. He said, it just seems like there's victory after victory after victory. It just depends on where you're living, on the curve. You know what I'm saying? I'm not living with the problem running my life. I'm living with the power and faith of God in my life. And that puts me, it's like uh, someone said, you know, uh, well, I, I like to always say, you know, the reason the devil, you know, he, when he told Jesus when he was uh, on the, uh, you know, the uh, temptation and he said, you know, if you be the son of God, you know, throw yourself off of this uh, top of this, you know, mountain, this temple and, you know, the angels will, you remember, you know, remember the temptation? I always tell people, you know, the only reason, the only reason the devil tried to get Jesus to jump, you want to know why? Because he couldn't push him. <laughs> and he can't push you either. So don't act like you. You're being pushed around by. He can't push you. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. Then this one is called My Place, My Time, My Purpose. And you know, every person who did something significant in the Word of God understood those three things according to the plan of God. And when you understand what God is doing in your time, and you yield to the will of God, you not only find a place in your time, but you find purpose for your life individually that comes from the plan of God. He's placed us in a unique place in history. We are running the last leg of the race. You know, they always put the best runners on the last turn. You may not think you're all that, but Christ in you is the hope of the world. Hallelujah. And I think this is probably... You know, we were in uh, New Jersey on September, actually the whole week before September 11th happened in 2001. 
and we were in a church of 45 minutes on the other side of the river and we were preaching there on that Sunday morning, Sunday night and Monday night, September 10th had planned on going into the city and planned it for months into New York City on September 11th. Uh, uh, you know, just to make a long story a little longer, we were going to be there, you know, pretty much about a quarter till nine, right around world, the World Trade Center. That's where we were going to, the ferry would land. And so we would have been right there as, you know, uh, that terrible event took place. But the night before, we were in the church in New Jersey, and the pastor was talk, talking about preparing to go. And I don't know for, you know, just now I know why, but at that time I didn't know why. I just didn't want to go. And so just like that, we changed our plans. And, I mean, you know, we it didn't make sense in the natural, but it made a lot of sense about 9 o'clock the next morning. And so the next, the pastor said, well, we, we couldn't fly out, you know, and we couldn't go anywhere. And, and he said, just preach, come down and preach for me tomorrow night. Just stay, we'll preach you tomorrow night. And so Wednesday, we were there and, and you know, the, the everybody there was, you could see the smoke that had come from the, the, the you know, the where they had hit the towers. And, and it was just a very, you, the, the consciousness of the event was very strong in the place. And there was a man sitting on the front row that had been on the floor that was hit, was, uh, had been, was supposed to have a meeting on that floor but because of he stopped a few floors lower uh, and uh, decided uh, to smoke a cigarette with a friend <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't a, he wasn't no, saved they, the pastor They'd been had praying been, for him. Uh, had he, been asking him to had come been to church. Had pastor been asking him to come to church for years and I forgot his name Woody, Woody. He'd say, Woody, why don't you come to church? I don't think I'm going to come to church. Why don't you come to church? Well, Woody was supposed to be on the 91st or 92nd floor, and he was on his way up but saw a buddy a few minutes before and stopped to smoke a cigarette. And at that point, the plane hit, and he came down 60 stairs on the through, you know, the, the fire escape, walked from New York City to where we were, walked, stayed at a friend's house that night, got up, put on the same clothes he had on, and was in the front row of that meeting on... On Wednesday night and I'm telling you when I got up I heard the Spirit of God say so strong build my church and we began to preach that night on the church you are greater together than you are alone some assembly is required you like that one and hearing from heaven and I'll tell you what this is the church. This is the finest hour. This is the day the church of Jesus Christ is alive and well. I don't know where you thought, I don't know where you thought you'd be tonight, but I'm telling you, you heard from heaven to be in church on Monday night because it cannot be stopped. The plan of God, the strength that God. And, and then, well, I've been talking about the music, but I hadn't talked about the teachings. You know, the music, call me redeemed. Oh, don't you like me? Singing's just another way of saying. If you can get songs that'll kind of hold your soul, you know what I'm saying? So when you feel the other day, I kept having this thought come to my head, and I didn't like that thought. So you know what I started? I just purposefully, every time I had that thought, I found out something. Your head will shut up to hear what your mouth has to say. So every time I had that thought, I just purposefully, I'd start singing. I got the life of God in me. And I'd just sing it until I no longer had that thought. And I don't know where that thought went. You know, I found out thoughts that are unspoken will die unborn. And so now I don't have that thought anymore. I just kept singing every time. And so there's something about singing songs that stir up the gift of God inside of you. And they'll strengthen you. And they'll cause the anointing to fall. Did you know you music can actually cause the anointing of God to just, just be released in the atmosphere where you are? 
That's what's happening in here tonight. Hallelujah. So just go with it. This is a good night. There's a revival. You know what revival is? Revival is when the people of God believe what God did, he's still doing. Do you believe it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got a job to do, church. Hallelujah. And the only one that can dance for you is you. Unless you're sick, then you call in somebody who can and have them dance around your bed. I just did that not too long ago around someone <laughs> in the hospital. Well, we're going like this. <laughs> and you know what they did? They kept, they went, glory to God. The glory hit that place. Hallelujah. I want to give you just a couple of scriptures tonight. I want to, to uh, uh, help you to uh, focus your faith according to the plan of God for your life and move with the plan of God. Move with the plan of God. Are y'all with me? God has a place for you. If you're here tonight and you're a Christian, God has a place for you. You have a part to play. And there is a plan that will bring the glorious light of the gospel to all of the world. Aren't you glad for the plan of God? You know, we, we read last, I think it was last night, Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus, we were talking about how that things, or yesterday morning, not last night, and we were talking about how that time, uh, the vision, the plan of God, the revelation of God uh, flows with time. And he said uh, in Habakkuk 2, the vision is for an appointed time. In, J in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus, as he was walking on this earth, began to define our day, and he did it by saying, when people ask, I'm giving you a little recap here for those of you who weren't here and for those of you who were here. In Matthew chapter 16, he said, Who do people say that I am? And they said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Peter, for he said, Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And he began to establish a new time that his, through his death, burial, and resurrection, if you read the rest in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus begins to talk about how he must go to Jerusalem, he must die, he must be crucified, but on the third day he will rise again. And he began, for the first time as he was walking on this earth, he began to talk about his death, burial, and resurrection. And he did it as he began to identify the church of Jesus Christ. For the church of Jesus Christ stands in a place in God's time that uh, it doesn't last forever. You know, you know, the church is, is a, a, you know, we're always, Ephesians 3 says, one family in heaven and on earth. And so you're always a part of the family once you're born again. Always, whether you're in heaven or on earth, one family. But the church is actually in a space of grace between when Jesus came, his first coming to this earth, and his second coming. And there was a man named John the Baptist who heralded his first coming. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make every valley full. Make every mountain low. The crooked places straight. He said, all flesh shall see the glory of the Lord. Well, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, when he talks about the church of Jesus Christ, he says, it's Christ in you, the hope, or as one translation says, the only hope of glory. Who is it? It's Christ in you. 
Christ in you is defined as uh, Christianity, but it's more than just Christianity. It's the church of Jesus Christ that really gives Christianity its identity. Without the church, you don't really know why you're a Christian. But with the church, you have found your place. Hallelujah. And as you read through the book of Acts, man, today I got almost the whole book of Acts. I just, I was so powerful. And as I was reading how that in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, you know, that you will be endued with power. The, don't leave this place. And as they stayed in that place in Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, that the Lord added to the church daily those who were saved. You say, well, what should I do now that I'm saved? Added to the church. And he was not talking about some spiritual idea. He was talking about a specific place where the gifts of God, the power of God, and the glory of God, and the plan of God was revealed from. Did you know that Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, I kept, this scripture kept coming to my heart this afternoon. Uh, as, as I was thinking about the church of Jesus Christ, in the Message Bible, it says it like this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, the extraordinary plan of God is revealed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I found out something about the plan of God. The devil, I told you this the other day, the devil doesn't really have a plan. He just tries to hinder or stop or somehow delay the plan of God. And the greatest way he delays the plan of God in our generation is by somehow hindering the work of God through the church. Because it is the church that gives expression to the power of the death, burial, and resurrection on a level that is impossible for you as an individual to do. You could say it like this. The corporate anointing is greater than the individual anointing. You have an individual anointing, but you individually do not have the same anointing that the church has. Ephesians 1.23 says of the church that the fullness of him fills all in all. Without measure, the fullness of Christ fills his church. It says in Ephesians 1.22, that he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church. The fullness of him fills all in all. So in other words, there is a plan from heaven. God always has a plan in order to impart uh, uh, his saving grace to the world. And in order for that plan to be accomplished, you, Christian, must find your place. That is basically what gives significance to your life. When you find your place in in, uh, uh, Christians are made for the church and every man in the New Testament, every single one who had a significant role in the plan of God was a church member. Every single one. 
Every person who went with Paul on a missionary journey. John Mark. How many of y'all remember John Mark? How many of y'all remember when Peter went to the house after he'd been let go out of prison? Remember? And, and, you know, the angel unlocked the door and let him out. And he went and he knocked on that lady's house. That was the house, the mother of John Mark. That's where the church was meeting, was praying. And that was John Mark's mother's house. And when he knocked on that door and he, there was John Mark in the house with his mama who was praying, Peter said, Hi, here I am. And a few chapters later, you know, Paul, it goes to a church and finds John Mark and decides, let's take him with us. It's very important what you decide to do. Because every person who had a part to play in the, the, uh, that affected the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, every significant role, every person who is called by name was a member of the church. You say, what is that that makes uh, their, their life so significant? They, be, they find their place in the plan of God. You could say it this way. Noah built a boat, and by building a boat, he found his place in the plan of God. Moses built a nation. He took a bunch of, uh, uh, of people who, for uh, you, you say, my granddaddy had it hard. My daddy had it hard. You understand, that's why I'm where I am because he was, you know, he was dysfunctional and caused me. I tell people, listen, you don't have just a dysfunctional family. Oh, yeah. You come from a dysfunctional world. <laughs> it's like someone said, don't, uh, don't try to alter your uh, existence. The problem is with reality. <laughs> That's a philosopher. I forget who it was, a great philosopher. That's what he said. That's how people feel who don't understand their place in the plan of God. So they began to look at how things are functioning in the world, and it's like, you know, don't alter your existence. The problem is with reality. (laughs) And then you get on Jerry Springer. But let me tell you now, every person, Moses, his life, I mean, he took people who had been enslaved, not just their granddaddy or their daddy, but their great-granddaddy, their great, for over 400 years, they had known nothing but slavery. And Moses called them, they were the heirs of the promise of God. They became, became the ones who marched in and literally were the ones who were freed by the power of God and were given a place as a people in the plan of God former slaves you're looking the wrong way honey if you're looking back and so Moses built a nation look at this and it says uh, Abraham Abraham built an altar he by the promise found the promise of God and literally altered his existence as he found his place in the plan of God you must find your place in the plan of God and you cannot do it without the church of Jesus Christ You really cannot understand Christianity without the church. It's the people who refuse to yield to the plan of God. They they love God, they serve God, but their gifts that God has given them are never properly unwrapped because the gifts are given to the church. Look over here in Acts chapter 11. I'm going to give you this scripture to help you to understand how important the local church is in the plan of God. Watch, Watch what happens here. In Acts chapter 11, I love how through the church, no matter what the devil does, in, he, he had, he, they had, uh, uh, Saul had, in Acts chapter 8 was breathing out threatenings against the church. Y'all remember that? And then the light of heaven shone on the Damascus road and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? 
And Saul is thinking, I'm not even messing with you. I guess it's those guys that are gathered over there in that building that are praying and worshiping and, 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 and glorifying Jesus as, as dead and risen from the dead. That's who I'm messing with. He said, no, you don't understand. If you're messing with them, you're messing with me. See, now you got to understand something about the church. The real, the reality of who Christ is is realized in the world on a level that the devil, you talk about a light shining from heaven, honey, it shines so bright that darkness is dispelled by the work of the church. And so in Acts chapter 11, it says in verse 19, because they were scattered after the persecution. And so it says after they were scattered, uh, there arose uh, after Stephen had been persecuted. It said some of them went to Cyprus and Cyrene. And when they came to Antioch, they spoke uh, to the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. That's the anointing of God. For those of you who don't know, they preached Jesus dead, buried and raised. And the anointing of God was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. And so they started to television ministry and said, Hey, Hey, let's just go get everybody saved. There's that. So all we need to do is just talk about Jesus and get them saved. No, no, no. That's not what they did. Then the news of these things came to the ears of who? Anybody reading or y'all just listening came to the ears of who? The church. How do you find out what God is doing in the world today? You don't find out by turning on the TV and listening to the comedy network or whoever, whoever starts talking about what God's doing and they don't even know God. They're not even a part of his church. And they start, listen, the church is not defined by the culture. It's defined by Christ. Do not let the culture define the church. The church gets its definition from Jesus Christ. You're messing, you're talking to the wrong people. I'm telling you, you're having breakfast with the wrong crowd. You never make the right choice with the wrong information. And so the news of it came to the church. Listen, I want you to see how the plan of God works through people who hook up and find their place. And he says, and they, they came to the church and it says, uh, in Jerusalem and they, who's they? The church in Jerusalem, a local church. You say, we just need to have the spiritual truth, you know, unseen, unfelt, unknown. No, no, no. God is looking for a way to express himself, reveal himself in every community, every village, every city. And you say, how does he do that? I'm so glad you asked. He does it through the church, the local church. You think this building, this, I understand this building is not, uh, you know, we, you can't build a place to hold God. I do understand that. But it does say in Acts chapter 4 that when they were, uh, you know, when they were, you know, they had been told to shut up and they went and they said, you know, Lord, stretch forth your hand to cure and perform signs and wonders in the name of your holy child Jesus. And the Bible says, and the place where they were assembled was shaken. Hallelujah. It's almost like we make a place on earth that's full of heaven's glory. And then we fill up on it in here. You suck up this Holy Ghost air and you go out into the earth and you dispel the darkness with the light. With the power of the glory of God that's in his church. Acts, Ephesians 3.21 says it's in his church. 
You can talk about God doing things that you can't expect or above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. But then he says, to him be glory in the church. You can, all, you can stop there if you want to, but if you stop there, you're stopping short of what God can actually do. And so he says, I'm, I'm so glad I got all those amens. Oh, he goes, he says, uh, the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. They sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch, who they sent out, the church sent out, who they sent out Barnabas. Why? Because he was there. I know this is deep. I know deep sheep. Here we go. He was there. He was in the place where the plan of God is revealed. If you're not there, you say, well, God's not really doing nothing with me. Maybe you should just show up. I'll guarantee you, if you show up, he will show up. And if you'll stay hooked up, when people come up to us in a service and they say at the end, thank you for coming. I always say, thank you for staying. Hallelujah. Come on now, I'm talking about having a significant impact in the plan of God for your life. I'm not talking about just little Joe getting saved. I'm not just talking about, you know, I'm talking about having a worldwide influence in the plan of God for your life. How many of y'all are ready to say, yeah? Yeah. Come on. You say, but it's hard. It's hard to come to church. You don't know how difficult it is to get along with those people. Why do you think 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is right in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. 1 Corinthians 12, all about membership. In order to understand mission, it takes membership. Membership. You know, really, there's no scripture in the Bible that says you individually are the body of Christ. No. You are a member of the body. A member of the body. Individually, you are what we call member. That's why we like membership. Hallelujah. Yeah, I guess our church in Tulsa, Grace, you know, it's kind of funny. Some people think, wow. I mean, I mean, you know, when I was growing up, I told you, you know, 50, I'm 50. When I remember when people would say, you know, well, you know, I go to church. Why do I need to be a Christian? But now they say I'm a Christian. Why do I need to go to church? And, you know, we've been a member of our church in Tulsa for since 1979, 1980. Yeah, since Pastor Bobby Annie, when he came there, 27 years, you know. And, I mean, we're not, I have no plans to change because I know the secret of learning how to properly give what God's given you has to do with being in the place where it's given. Do we agree with everything he says he does? Hey. He doesn't agree with everything we do. We don't agree with everything we do. You know what I'm saying? But, but you. But love is not something that you can legislate. You can't build a business or, or, you know, some type of. You can't legislate love. It's a work of the Spirit. And it happens in the heart of people who understand the plan of God. And they lay aside things in order I like to tell I like to tell people your strengths are greater than your weaknesses if you just take a hold of it. And so it says uh, so it says uh, they said they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch when he came and saw the grace of God. I love this. He was glad. 
Hey. And it says, and encourage them all. Now watch this now, because they got saved, but there was a plan. And they, 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 uh, the, the church in Jerusalem was an integral part of helping the plan of God. I mean, when the devil tries to split something up, if you'll stay with the plan of God, it, will, it won't decrease, it'll increase. And it says, and he was glad and encouraged them with purpose of heart. They should continue with the Lord. How are you going to do that? I'm so glad you asked. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. What does that mean? They were added to the Lord. Let's keep going. Barnabas departed to seek for Saul in Tarshish. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church. And they taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Watch this now. Saul of Tarsus, a revelation of the power that raised Christ from the dead. He is the one that defines the church as the body of Christ. No one else. And yet he has a revelation. And here it is, Barnabas, the man who gave the offering in Acts chapter 4. Don't you like people? When you get involved with giving, I will tell you what. When you get involved with giving to what God is doing, it changes you from being an observer to being a participator. And when you become a participant, honey, it's one thing to read the book. It's another thing to be the book. And they were first called Christians in Antioch at the church. And all of a sudden, God is taking a group of people who have received Jesus as Lord. And he's redefining their life. And he's causing them to become a part of the plan of God as they find their place in the local church. Hallelujah. So number one, your place the local church you say well i don't really need a local church no no you don't understand it's not just the church needs you you need the church because what you have in you it's not for you it's for the church now watch is your place the local church and then he says and then number two two three things three things number two you have a part in the plan of god and in order for you to have a part, you not only need a revelation, you need relationships that are exactly as, as, as good as your revelation is. Without the right relationships, right revelation will be hindered. Now look over in Acts chapter 13 now. Because here we are. Now uh, Saul, they call him Saul of Tarsus. He's been preaching now here for a year with the disciples. They call people disciples who are parts of a local church because a disciple is someone who has decided to go further with the Lord. And if you're going to go with the Lord, you say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like church. Well, you know, the Bible says the church is the body of Christ. And really your love for Jesus is directly related to your love for the church. I mean, it's, it's so true. I mean, it's, it's so true. I know so many people who say they love Jesus and yet on a, on a local level, you know what I mean? Every day doing what they're doing, it's hard to see Jesus in their life. It takes the church to change you and cause the gift of God in you to not only, you don't want to just reveal Christ in here, but reveal Christ to the world. So understanding your part in the church comes in Acts chapter 13 as it said, as they were, it says, and now in the church that was at Antioch, where was it? It was in the church. 
Y'all with me? You say, well, I don't even know if God's talking today. I don't even hear God seven times to seven churches in the book of Revelation. The Bible says, can anyone hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church? You said, I don't really know if God's even saying anything today. Maybe you're in, you know, maybe you're like that man, you know, who wanted to check his wife's hearing. And so he sat her in a chair and he said, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stand behind you now. And I, I, you tell me when you can hear me. And he said, can you hear me? And he didn't hear anything. So he got a little bit closer. He said, can you hear me? He didn't hear anything. So he got a little bit closer. He said, can you hear me? And she said, for the third time, yes, I hear you. You say, I don't think God's saying anything. Maybe you're just not in the place where you can't hear it. Maybe the hearing problem's not with God. Maybe it's between, you know. Now, don't y'all use that joke on your wife when you go home. All right. I'm almost through. Now, in the church that was at, watch this now. I want you to get this now. Because the, the Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Would you like to understand how to actually, whatever it is that God has given you, the office, the place that he's given you to stand in, would you really like to understand how to take the bow off the box? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Listen, there is a key. I know lots of people who graduate from Bible school and they miss this key. And they're still walking around responsible to the world for a gift that God, Jesus, died and paid for. Endued them with power so they could set the captive free. And they are responsible before the world to tell them. He said in Acts chapter 13, he says, in the church it was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Why why said that weird? Did I? Tetrarch, whatever. And Saul, watch this now, as they, who's they? The people who are in the church at Antioch. Y'all with me? Say, it doesn't really matter what we do in church. Listen, what you do here will determine the gifts that are given that will bring light to the world. In the church, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They had, they were already called, but yet in order for them to understand and actually go in the direction the Holy Ghost wanted them to go, it took the functioning of the local church. And literally, the first missionary journey that was ever established, that was ever inspired, came through the functioning of the local church. Wow. We got people who want to do mission work, but they don't want to do it through the influence of the local church. And without the local church, it cannot be sustained, much less properly understood. And they, Barnabas and Saul, now this is amazing to me because Saul, he's called, actually begins to be called Paul here, but he was the one who was, you know, knocked down on the road to Damascus, heard the audible voice of Jesus. I mean, had an, would you say he had an out of the ordinary experience with God, with the Spirit of God? Would you say? 
I would say, yeah, I would say he could write books for the rest of his life if he wanted to and stay home and do nothing else but tell the story of how he heard the voice of Jesus. And I bet he could get on any television network that wanted. I mean, any broadcasting would say, come on, Saul, tell us the story. And yet all of this out of the ordinary, extraordinary experience with the Spirit of God, all of that was not enough. To put him in position for the place that God has called him to. Until through the functioning of a local church. And the anointing that is on the people who are a part of the plan of God. As they joined together the anointing was released. And Saul who became Paul the apostle started on a missionary journey that changed history forever. Because a local church wouldn't quit. Glory to God. You say, what about your part? Your part in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. Ephesians 1.22. The body of Christ is the church. And as we function as the church of Jesus Christ, there is a plan from heaven for all the world to see a light that shines through the darkness. That light can only shine through the church. Look at Revelation real quick. One more. It's it's in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. Are y'all okay? You're more than okay. I just want you to see this. Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. He says, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Everybody say, The church church. is a lampstand. You got that? That's not hard, is it? Now turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, watch this now. Remember, the church is a lampstand, or I think in some, you know, I've got the the New King James. I think in some uh, translations it says, uh, what's it say, lamp? Candlestick. Candlestick, that's right, candlestick. So you can say candlestick, you can say lampstand, but it's the the meaning that I want you to get here. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor, watch this now, do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven he says he lit your lamp how many of y'all got a lamp that's lit the spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the lord proverbs says he lit your lamp but now he said take your lamp and put it on a lampstand or a candlestick how many of you know what a lampstand is What's going to happen if the church, if you put your lamp on the lampstand, he said there's a light that will shine for all the world to see. A city on a hill, salt that actually preserves the most important decisions being made today. 
the most important decisions, the most life-altering, world-changing, history-making choices that are being made today are not being made by those in the finest neighborhoods of this city. They're not being made by those who's in the, you know, the police uh, buildings or the, 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 the government buildings. I'm telling you the most important decisions being made in this city today are by the people who are in the church buildings of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they decide to stand up, if they decide to look up, if they won't shut up, there is hope for the world. If they do anything less, there becomes a darkness and people begin to wonder if there's any reason to go on. But the church brings a light that shines through the darkness. The church, and it starts with a Christian who says, Lord, I found my place. I'll do my part. Now you reveal the plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father, that Christ in us is the hope of the world. We take it seriously, Lord. Everybody say, Lord, Lord help me. Help me. To number my days. To number my days. He'll help you to number them. He won't do it from number the beginning. He'll do it starting at the end, mm. counting backwards. Uh, He'll help you make your life count. It'll matter that you live. It'll matter that you're here. Christ in you is the hope of the world. Hallelujah. We wrote this song about 25 years ago. It's literally gone all over the world. And now we sing it in French on the Paris radio. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.